0: Good morning, church. It is wonderful to be with you today. Hope everyone had a good holiday week. Some of you know what it is like to go on a walk with a toddler. Some of you have been there years ago and some more recently. Um, It starts off and you think um, a walk around the block, it should take about 15 minutes, right, more or less. And then um, 30 minutes later, you're still standing in your driveway Because the toddler has discovered a uh, cool little beetle and a uh, cool stick, and then uh, a neighbor kid who's playing basketball that sends them into a staring trance for 15 minutes. (laughs) And then um, you get going on the walk. And along the way, the kid has to stop every 30 seconds and look at something and literally smell every flower that they see and watch all of the cars driving by, picking up dead leaves from the ground and discovering them. I don't have anyone specific in mind here, by the way. But we get frustrated, don't we? We think, come on, kid, how difficult can it be? It's a walk. You just take one foot and you put it in front of the other one and you just keep doing that and you go. But see, kids see the world differently than we do. They have a sense of wonder that you and I as adults have largely lost. They see beauty in everything. Everything intrigues them. The intricacies of a flower the mobility of beetles, the mysterious shape of sticks. Uh, The famous author G.K. Chesterton once wrote, what was wonderful about childhood is that anything in it was a wonder. It was not merely a world full of miracles. It was a miraculous world. What if we adults recovered that sense of childlike wonder? What would it look like? Well, it might look like me asking Deacon Dick to spin me around um, over and over and over. And then when I got down and walked around dizzy, I would say, do it again, do it again. That was just an image for you to take with you from this place today of Deacon Dick spinning me, spinning me around. But in all seriousness, there are ways in which we need to recover a sense of delight and wonder. And we grown-ups need to be reminded constantly that over-familiarity, especially in our relationship with the Lord Jesus, can rob us of experience the life God intends us to experience. Look at what happens when Jesus ministers in his own hometown. We're going to look at the beginning of the gospel passage uh, this morning. They are astounded at his teaching, right? And some of the things that he can do. And they said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? And they so they acknowledge that there is something incredible about what Jesus can say and do. And then we're reading this and we're thinking, oh, they get it. They believe. They believe in him. And then Mark tells us this. They say this. Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us. Then Mark tells us they took offense at him. That word in the Greek actually means to stumble over. It's why some translations say they stumbled at him or as one paraphrased Bible translation puts it so well, they tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling and they never got any further. See, because of their familiarity with him, they have contempt for Jesus. That kid, <laughs> that kid, the neighbor boy, the son of Mary, the carpenter, he's, he's played in the backyard with our kids. He's, he's played Xbox in our living room growing up, right? He, it's, he's familiar, but it's tragic. It's a tragic response because instead of recognizing that the deeds of power that Jesus does actually point to his divinity, to his lordship, they reject him. They take note of his words and deeds, but they refuse to move close to Jesus himself. There are a lot of people in our world today like that. They will acknowledge that there are some extraordinary things about Jesus. And yet, for some reason, they hold back from moving close to him and acknowledging him as Lord of life. Now... Mark tells us that the people in Jesus' hometown, familiarity and unbelief, actually puts a damper on Jesus' ministry. He could do no, needs, no deeds of power except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. That was like small stuff for Jesus, right? He couldn't really do anything, but he, he cured a few sick people. It's funny, it's little stuff for Jesus. But what does this tell us? Friends, It tells us that when our expectations of God are low, God will hold back. When our expectations of God are low, God will hold back. God will not do wondrous things for a people who lack wonder. There's a great story about George Mueller, who was a 19th century evangelist who um, ran an orphanage in Bristol in England, um, a man of deep, deep prayer. There are many, many stories about his uh, prayer life, but this story is told by a captain of a boat that Mueller Mueller was once traveling on. Um, The captain describes... um, uh, George Mueller approaching him and he tells the story like this. This is George Mueller speaking. Captain, he said, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It is impossible, I said. Very well. If your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. I would willingly help you. How can I? I am helpless. Let us go down to the chart room and pray. I looked at that man of God and I thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could that man have come from? I never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense the fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He got down on his knees and prayed one of the most simple prayers. I muttered to myself, that would suit a children's class where the children were not more than eight or nine years old. The burden of his prayer was something like this. Oh, Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec Saturday. I believe it is your will. When he finished, I was going to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, he said, you do not believe he will. And second, I believe he has. And there is no need for whatever for you to pray about it. I looked at him and George Mueller said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years. And there has never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door and you will find the fog is gone. He says, I got up and the fog was gone. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. What a sense of wonder. I love how he stops the captain from praying and he says, don't pray. You don't believe he's going to do it. Why would you even pray? You're going to mess it up. You don't have faith that he's actually going to do it. Your expectations are too low. Your belief is paper thin. Your sense of wonder at the living God is dull. Mark tells us that Jesus was amazed at the unbelief of the people in his hometown. Amazed at their unbelief. I don't know about you, but sometimes I worry that Jesus is amazed at my unbelief. My dulled sense of wonder at who he is and what he can do. I pray and ask him to do things, but if I'm honest in my heart, I actually don't think he will. I get more focused on the words of my prayer or what other people are thinking when they're listening to me pray or I think about the situation that I'm praying for, and I lose focus of the living God to whom I am praying. So here's a question for us today. How do we reclaim the sense of childlike wonder in God and in what he can do. Uh, There's a few things that I think that we can be active about doing that will help us regain that sense of wonder. And the first is this, simply pray with our hearts and our minds fixed on Jesus. You see, the people in the gospel, they weren't really fixed on Jesus. They saw what he could do and they thought about his power, but they weren't fixed on the person of Jesus. You and I in our prayers, we must be fixed on the person of Jesus. Our hearts and our minds must be still before him, not focusing on our words or on what others think or not even on the outcome of our prayers, but on the person of Jesus who stands there listening. George Mueller, again, my eye is not on the density of the fog, not on the situation, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. Second thing that we can do is this, meditate on God's glory in creation. Meditate on God's glory in creation. We just did this this morning in our class at nine o'clock. We're talking about adoration as an element of prayer and how the Psalms uh, are such an amazing resource for that. We read from Psalm 8 this morning, which says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, that you care for them? The psalmist in Psalm 104 says, You are clothed with splendor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment. So you stretch out the heavens like a tent. Every uh, week, in just a few moments again, we will say it here in the Sanctus. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. How often do we stop, like the toddler on the walk, and, and ponder the beauty of a live oak tree or a croton, my personal favorite and, and look at the intricacies of the patterns and the colors and think about how they point to an infinitely creative artist who delights in his beautiful handiwork and invites us to delight in it too so that we delight in him Um, in right one which is which we use in the chapel on saturday nights um, there's a beautiful part of prayers of the people that appeals to god and it says this open O lord the eyes of all people to behold thy gracious hand in all thy works that rejoicing in thy whole creation they may honor thee with their substance and be faithful stewards of thy bounty what a beautiful prayer C.S. Lewis, um, who wrote a book, little book called um, *The Weight of Glory*, writes about beauty, and he says this: He says, "We do not merely, we do not want merely to see beauty, though God knows even that is bounty enough. We want something else, which can hardly be put into words, to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it." You see, the beauty of the natural world evokes in us a desire to be united to God from whom all beauty flows. Lastly, uh, for today, here's something we can be active about doing to reclaim our sense of wonder, and that is make a practice of recording God's work in our lives. Make a practice of recording God's word. It's a simple practice, but something that is easy to neglect. Maybe you use a notebook or maybe you use index cards. I've recently started using a notebook and I put a line right down the middle and I write out with bullet points the prayers that I pray. And in the other margin, I write down when and how they were answered. And there's still a lot of blanks there and I'm waiting with expectation. Just something simple, something simple. Remembering the idea of remembering what God has done in your life. It's a very biblical practice. Psalm 143 says, I remember the days of old. I think about all your deeds. I meditate on the works of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. It's a sense of wonder there. Remembering God's works leads us to awe-inspired worship and wonder. In the book of Joshua, um, God tells Joshua to have the Israelites lay 12 stones at the river Jordan, where he had parted the river for them to carry the Ark of the Covenant through. Some of you might remember that story from the Old Testament. And God says this, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. You See, these practices of remembering the mighty deeds of God in our lives will inspire wonder at the goodness of God as you consider things like the miracle of your children, the healing that you've experienced in different places of your life, freedom from addictions, financial provision story about that in seminary. We went off to seminary with really no money and we thought, well, Lord, you're calling us here. We don't know how you're gonna provide, but please do. We don't need any more uh, debt from college bills. And so we went there and um, a check would come in right on time to meet bills. I would get a scholarship or a grant approved. And all throughout seminary, this continued to happen. Somebody would come through right at the last minute and meet that bill. And I continued to reflect on that time of my life and the generosity of others that God used to take us through that place where we really just stepped off a limb and trusted in him. And it inspires wonder in me when I reflect on that. Friends, these kinds of practices will not only help rebuild our sense of wonder at the living God, they will help increase our expectations of God See, the spiritual climate of our congregation, our expectations as to what God will do in our midst will have a significant impact on who we become as a church in the years to come. We can get over familiar with Jesus and we can think, oh, he's a sweet guy, I like him, yeah, he's Lord and God and I like to say prayers to him, but I don't realize Is he really going to do anything. Or, or we can pray as a church, that God would renew in us a sense of wonder and awe about who Jesus is so that we're sitting on the edge of our seats with expectation that we will see him change our lives and the lives of others. Let us pray. Father, we stand in awe and adoration of your son who you have enthroned in the heavens, who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, who is Lord and God. And we repent of our unbelief that you are amazed at. And we ask you, Lord, to re-inspire in us a sense of wonder, the wonder that children have at the beauty of your creation so that we will have a sense of expectancy that you will be in our midst healing and forgiving and making all things new. As we leave from this place today, Lord God, inspire our sense of wonder in your creation, in your word, in your faithfulness in our lives so that we can move forward knowing that we will be amazed and see the living God at work in and through his son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.